Right, all right. It's Real Life, Real Equity with your hosts, Justin and Keisha Brooks. Welcome to the show. Our goal is to share with you real life examples of entrepreneurs showing in both life and business. As real estate investors, our mission is to model, educate, and inspire you to act by sharing easy to implement tools, ideas, and information to add more worth to your net worth, more cash to your cash flow, helping you achieve your goals in less time. That's right. Since we have grown with real life, real equity, we have learned from our listening audience and our guests that entrepreneurship is full of trials, tribulations, and resilience. With that being said, we are going to email all of our listeners a free copy of the book, Resilience, Turning Your Setback Into a Comeback. This book is full of powerful testimonies from unstoppable super achievers sharing their stories of resilience. With it being endorsed by Brian Tracy and Tom Ziegler, the entrepreneurs, NFL players, speakers, and authors in the book will share with you their firsthand accounts of how resilience put them on the path to success. It's simple. Send us an email to resilience at realliferalequity.com. Welcome to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Real Life Real Equity. We have an amazing guest for you today. While becoming a real estate entrepreneur, Keypon Cashflow's founder continues to work in the corporate world. In fact, he is one of the best corporate soldiers you'd ever want to meet. In the last 17 years, he has had the opportunity to work in 86 countries, learn and fluently speak five languages, and has lived in three European countries. With this personal growth experience, he has had the opportunity to develop professionally by leading multidiscipline teams and managing businesses up to 74 million euros in the application software sector. He earned his stripes as a true problem solver, a skill he's carried into his new entrepreneurial life. Our guest today is a long distance real estate entrepreneur, problem solver, author, coach, public speaker, and mentor. He sees opportunities where others often don't in people, teams, and real estate. No overnight success. No, he continues to work toward his vision and goals topmost on his list, building a bridge between investors and buyers in Europe with sellers in the U.S. Our guest today is leveraging his strengths in education, his understanding of real estate across markets, and his leadership and team building skills to help others find great cash flowing investment properties in the U.S., Ladies and gentlemen, give a warm round of applause to our guest today, founder of Keypon Cashflow, Billy Kills. Welcome to the show, Billy. Justin Keisha, I'm excited to be here and really looking forward to this conversation. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, we learned a little bit about you from the intro. Give us a little background about who you are as an entrepreneur. Uh, you are a business owner, but also something that a lot of people don't talk about very often is the W-2 side of it too, you know. Talk about the employee side of it, being a uh, full-time sales guy and then also doing real estate on the side. Yeah, sure. So I'm so glad you said that, Justin, because it is, you know, one of the, the passions that I am just enjoying is, is continuing a, as an entrepreneur and, and being able to go out and really add uh, value to uh, what started out as family and friends. And now it's starting to, to be able to add a value to people in different communities, whether those are the residents that live in the properties that we own or the part of our ecosystems in the, in the cities uh, and locations where we're present, which is great. And this is a, a journey that is continuing to move forward. Uh, at the same time, I do have the, I would say the, the distinct advantage of having worked in a multinational for the better part of 20 years. And so I worked for primarily performance improvement companies and then over the last 15 years in the IT sector. And so uh, working in large business to business sales, very 
what some people would call complex sales environments where you're, where you're selling multi-million euros in my case or, or dollars in application software. And so one of the things that I guess I say a distinct advantage is I have been so fortunate to have been very well trained in lots of different sales methodologies and also team building and leadership and, and behavioral understanding. And I've done that, you know, day in and day out over the last 15 years since I've been living in Europe. And so what I found is that a lot of those same skills that I've learned in the corporate world, which is, you know, selecting talent, developing talent, building teams, leading teams, uh, having sales targets, uh, understanding your customer and being able to ultimately have your customer get what they need at the same time that uh, I can help my company to achieve what they need. And that also uh, comes back to, to help me and my family as well. Right. And so those right. same skills and skill set that I use during the, the W2 job, uh, I can also, and am, am using uh, to continue to build the, the dream and the entrepreneurial path. I actually see it as a real advantage. And you know, a lot of people don't talk about that. You know, Robert Kiyosaki did. That was one of the things he recommended. He, he said in his book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, work where you want to work, but mind your own business. And he said, it's nothing wrong with starting part-time. It, it's almost like you run two, uh, both full-time salesperson, you know, you in your intro, you talk, called it a corporate soldier, but you know, you also are like really big into some really big projects. But first, before we go into actually the real estate side of it, because again, you have some pretty interesting projects that you've done uh, that I think our audience would appreciate. Tell us how you went from being a guy from Ohio to being fluent in five languages in Europe. Wow. Um, it started, I had a, an amazing job right out of my first job, right out of college. I was working and traveling throughout some 58 different countries in five years. So I was basically 25 to 28 days a month on the road. Uh, being a guy from Columbus, Ohio, I, I never even imagined that I would have that type of an opportunity. And it changed the way that I saw the world in, in such a way, Justin and Keisha, that I, I didn't actually, like, I'd seen so much and my mind had been so expanded that I didn't see myself going back to like a normal, quote unquote, nine to five job. So I decided to take a one year sabbatical. Uh, I was accepted at a university called the Sorbonne. Um, when I went there, I actually had three goals. I wanted to learn more about the French language and culture. I wanted to learn uh, how to salsa dance, believe it or not. And uh, I also wanted to uh, learn more about wine. And so that was supposed to be one year. Uh, but after nine months, I started to become fluent in the language. I understood understanding a lot more about the culture. My salsa dancing was getting better. And I, I started to understand a little bit more about wine. So I was really fortunate that I'd worked with a lot of C-level uh, individuals uh, during the previous five years. And so I was fortunate enough to have an opportunity to start working in the IT sector in the south of France in a town called Montpellier. Uh, while I was there, I also had the chance to go start up a sales team uh, in the Italian marketplace. I lived in a place called Sardinia for a while, went back to France. Uh, but along the way, I ended up meeting a, uh, a wonderful little Spanish woman uh, who kind of stole my heart. She came back to Spain. Uh, and then uh, I've been here in Spain since 2005. Had mm -hmm. a chance to, uh, well, we got married, we have two children, and so I've been living in Barcelona since 2005. So that's kind of how I, how I ended up getting here. Oh, wow. <laughs> kind of a long one-year sabbatical. Wow. That's a beautiful story, too. What made you decide that real estate was the thing for you to do? Oh, you know, it kind of goes back to a little bit of, when you're in a sales environment, you're, you know, you're constantly working towards a goal and a target and want to be able to, uh, to achieve that target. And you, you know that you're spending your time doing something and you expect a result. And so 
I'd kind of been doing that uh, with my own personal life. And in 2008, um, I'd done all the things. I got the good grades and I put my money in my 401k. And, you know, when, you, when you're in sales and you execute very well, you usually get a result. And I was doing the things that I've been told. And, and I'd kind of gotten slapped in the face twice. And so I, I didn't have control. I didn't have any predictability. I didn't have any clarity. And I remember after 2008, just being really frustrated. And, uh, and someone had mentioned a little purple book. I think one, it's one that the two of you know very well. Uh, Rich yes, Dad, yes. I actually picked that up and I was reading it. And one of the things that when I was reading that book, uh, it just, it completely shifted my, shifted my paradigm and, and what I thought was possible. And so it was something that was very simple for me to understand, like a lot more simple than like these really complex graphics that I would see on the stock market. And sometimes I just put my money in the stock market because everybody, the person next to me was putting their money there. Or I wanted to look cool or whatever. Um, and, <laughs> wow. and, and at the end of the day, it seemed like something that I could understand, number one. And it seemed like it was the type of vehicle that would allow me as a kind of a salesperson to have more control. And if I did the right things, I could actually get the result that I was looking for. And so um, you know, initially I thought I was going to purchase properties in, in Europe and I'm sure we'll get a chance to talk about kind of how I ended up doing that in the United States, but it was really more about real estate seemed like the vehicle that would allow me to have more control if I did things in the proper way. And the only thing that I'd ever done before that was put money in the stock market or 401k. And I realized that even when I was doing the right things, I was never really in control uh, of what the result could be. Right. So let's let's go ahead and dive into that. So you live in Europe, but you're able to live where you want to live and then invest where the money makes sense. What is some of your current projects that you have going on right now? Uh, wow. So there's a number of different projects uh, that we have going on. So I have, uh, I guess I've been doing this now for, uh, for the better part of uh, five years, just about five years. And I never thought that it would be possible. Actually, I saw that as a real disadvantage because I was in Europe, like I never even thought about buying property in the United States, to be quite honest with you. So a couple of my friends here in Europe said, well, Billy, you're American. Why don't you buy in, in the United States? Because I've been looking here in Europe and, and, the, and everything in terms of cost to get in really seemed like uh, very similar to the East and West Coast of the United States. Right. Um, eventually, being so far away, I had to really think about the process that I was going through. Cause I kind of like control. <laughs> and so some of the things that happen for us people that like control, had I purchased my first property, I probably would have been at the property every single day, all day, checking things, you know, try, trying to control things. So where right. I focused my time and energy really was on building the systems and building the teams, you know, going back to what I mentioned before, just in the same way that I use those skills to build sales teams for the corporate is now where I use my time and energy to focus on, really building the best teams or working with the best teams. I know that's something that's really close to you all's heart as well. Um, and as a result, been able to do um, a number of projects uh, that are in, um, in the multifamily space, the smaller multifamily space. Um, recently, I think we talked about this not too long ago, um, my, my company and, and, uh, and another four companies, uh, five companies, sorry, uh, we are in the process of opening, which should happen just in about six weeks. A, uh, a hotel just on the northeast side of uh, Ohio, uh, just outside of Cleveland, um, an 82-room hotel. And then I've just recently, uh, my company has just recently uh, also been a, um, a partner in a 252-unit uh, apartment complex. So wow. uh, those are the types of things that we want to continue to do and really like being able to 
add such value to communities and, and being able to build. So really wanting to continue to do the, uh, the multifamily and being able to do it on a scale that's, you know, I would say anywhere between uh, 100 units and, uh, and above. And being able to do that, working with great teams that are based back in the United States, because Keisha, to your point, I absolutely love living in Europe. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's crazy, man. You hit something that I want to make sure that our audience catches. You said your friends in Europe were saying you're from America. So why don't you just go back to American invest and you're thinking invest in Europe where you have the ability to control. And then you talked about systems, but the route that I really want to hit on is sometimes we overlook our own advantages and we kind of look at the thing like, okay, well, I need to, you know, create a new advantage versus you know, using what we already have, right? I know I'm guilty of that as well, but it's, it's interesting you say that. Also talk to us about the idea of passive versus active and GP versus LP, because you said you and five other companies are involved in a hotel project. I think it's a really interesting distinction. And before mm-hmm. I did not understand, even as of probably three or four years ago, I didn't understand the distinction between a GP and an LP and the advantages of each. Talk to us a little bit about the idea that you as a limited partner or a passive investor in something like a hotel, you're not, I mean, you have experience with hotels, but you're not an operator of a hotel. So you had a lot of the advantage of being involved in it, but none of the major risk, right? Correct. So one of the things that, and I guess this is a mindset shift, right? Because at the end of the day, what what I'm learning and be, be really working Uh, with others on, especially, you know, people that are in multinationals kind of like me is it's important to make sure that our money is working harder than we are. And so to your point, there's two, there's really two different ways that that primary ways that you can um, kind of go after the, the the real estate investing space. And one is um, which a lot of, you know, if you're, imagine you're in your job and you really love your job and you you want to keep climbing the corporate ladder and you want to keep going out and getting those big bonus checks and things like that. So you want to put your time and energy there. And as your bank account continues to grow, cause you're crushing it all the time and you're, you know, you're overachieving. But when that money's just sitting there uh, in the bank, m- m- there's probably other ways once you have your reserves there and you feel comfortable that you can actually make that capital or that currency, some would say, um, constantly move, right? And so when you look at opportunities and say, hey, look, I don't want to spend my time and energy on actually going out to to find the the right opportunity, to manage the right opportunity, to bring it around and do that heavy lifting, there is an opportunity as a limited partner, which means that you're able to place your capital, place your, your currency, and that is working Right in a type of project like the like the hotel project we were talking about before, so you have the, right. the opportunity to make sure that your money's moving, but you don't actually have to do the heavy lifting. And, right, and, right. and so that's one that, that's one way. And then you have the other way, as, as you mentioned before, Justin. There's the general partner, which is really doing much more of the heavy lifting, um, which where you're actually sourcing, uh, you're managing, you're doing the day to day kind of operations to make sure that your limited partners uh, are receiving the, um, well, they're basically getting the return that they expected, whatever that return may be. It's not always financial. Um, and then being able to make sure that you're delivering on your promise as a general partner. Of course, there you have a, a higher uh, upside, some would say, and, and also have a much higher responsibility, which some would potentially equate with, uh, with risk if you don't know what you're doing. So hopefully that was clear. Yes, that was very clear. Um, exactly. Uh, really well said. 
And, you know, it's pretty much we always try to highlight how, you know, you have to have those systems in place. You got to put the right team together. And you just really sound really confident in what you're doing. Um, but let's talk about some of the highs and lows. You know, you live abroad. It sounds like to our audience, you're, you know, you're living the life, you're investing where the money makes sense. But give us a time where it just didn't seem like everything was clear as day and maybe you just had a moment, a low moment where it was like, okay, why am I doing this again? Share that with us. Oh, wow. Um, Keisha, so you're taking me back to a, to a place and that, you know, and, and I think it's one of those things where even when we can be confident about what we're doing, I guess it's always want to be come from a place of, uh, of, of recognizing what's around us and, and, and also being, uh, being humble. Cause I, I can think you, you just ask the question and I remember sitting a couple of days, I'm standing in my living room right now. And I, I remember um, getting started. Uh, there were a couple of times uh, where I thought, man, why am I actually doing this? I, I purchased my first sale as it was a small duplex. And imagine I'm in Barcelona, the, the properties were on the East coast of the States. And I'm trying to figure out a problem uh, with a tenant. I didn't actually have any uh, property, a proper property management company that I was working with. And I was thinking to myself, why did I get myself into all this trouble? I don't actually have, um, you know, I said I was working on getting the systems, right? But, and I've learned right. through making some mistakes and making some issues. And it's been to a point where I thought, wow, is it really worth this quote unquote headache? Wouldn't it just be easier to go back to, uh, you know, just focusing on what I do in the day job because I, I, I do it really well, well recognized and well compensated. But I guess that's one of the reasons that I sat down before to really be clear on why I'm doing it. And, and of course, there's, a, um, there's an economic portion of that, but that's not the real reason why I am, you know, taking time from a, a you know, a well compensated day job to actually build this dream uh, to be able to live between the U.S. and the United States. So it's, it's by no means uh, all a bed of roses. There's been lots of uh, errors, mistakes um, that, uh, that, that I have made. Uh, and we continue to improve as a team so that we are able to deliver on our promises for uh, our investors, for our, our residents, uh, and for the, the different team members that we work with in the local markets. Hopefully that makes sense. Yes, it, it does make sense. But it sounds like you was about to go there. And usually the why, like you said, is not always set on something economic. What is that deep-rooted why? Because we want to be transparent to our audience. Why is it that, you know, you are in the place that you are and you continue to strive to do what it is you're doing? Um, like when I got started in real estate, I, I was just frustrated and upset because I lost money in the stock market. And so I was trying to figure out how do I get that money back? Right. And so I was really motivated on filling out my own portfolio in the very beginning. And after I got the first couple of properties in and I was making the mistakes, one of the things that I look back on is I was, I was like, wow, the, you know, the, the cash flow seems to be coming in and the bank account was moving uh, in the right direction. And uh, I remember thinking to myself, wow, if I can keep doing this and repeat this process, you know, maybe I won't be as dependent on the day job as I thought. You know, I've been in Europe now since, uh, well, for the last 18 years. And I'm super fortunate, like having lived in three different European countries and, and been able to be successful in, in what some would say in the, in the day job. Um, and having a really nice life, but there are certain things that I've actually missed, Keisha. Like I've missed things back in the States. 
my nieces and nephews or, or my parents, you know, birthdays, uh, my brother and sister, like there are barbecues that we can't go to. Um, not because financially we can't, but literally, you know, you, one of the things when you work in a corporate is you do have to kind of say, hey, listen, can I get this time off or get that time off? And so I started realizing like, wow, hang on a second. If, if I'm able to create enough uh, cash flows, what I was thinking about in the beginning, and I thought, wow, I could have more independence. And eventually I would love to be able to travel between the U.S. and, and Spain specifically or Europe if we decide to go somewhere else when we want to without actually even having to consider asking if this is the right time uh, or not. So really internally is to be able to say, have the freedom to, to travel between the U.S. And, and Spain, be able to attend uh, more events as my parents get older and my nieces and nephews get older. That's super important to me. Um, that, that's the one thing. And then the other thing is I started realizing that my friends that I was telling about the real estate, and they're the first people that actually invested with me because I didn't want to do that. I, I was always been told as a kid, very much middle-class family, you know, he never mixed friends with money. And it had it right. not been right. for three of my friends that were really, really persistent in asking if they could uh, invest with me, I would have never done that. And so I would have never allowed that to happen. But because of that, it's also now created another uh, driver, which is I'm able to help friends and family and now people that I didn't even know before and helping them to gain more control over their own financial freedom so that they can see that, you know, even though they're going out and making big bonus checks and, you know, doing things in the right way, that they can also have more predictability and control over their lives. So those are kind of the, the two main drivers and they're not really economic. Those are the things that get me up in want to continue to do this every single day. Yeah, man, you hit on something real key there. And you said, you know, you were able to help your friends out and your friends were persistent in trying to get you to take their money. It's a, like a lot of people would be like, oh man, it's a great problem to have. It's a great problem to have. And if you talk to a lot of experienced syndicators, it's actually a pain because it's a responsibility that's a dual-edged sword. You have to one, find the deals that make sense for your investors, but you also have to make sure that when you do invest, it's a good investment and you're being the best possible fiduciary to your, your investors that you can be. And so it's a weight. I mean, it is. I mean, wouldn't you say it's, you describe that as kind of like a weight, a burden, a responsibility that you must fulfill on? You know, Justin, one of the things that really, aside from not mixing friends and money, when you said responsibility, like that is the word that kind of kept me up at night. And, and I was trying to figure out like, how do I make sure that I do this so that number one, uh, the relationship stays intact. And number two, that the, the person who's trusted me and my company now so much to make sure that we can deliver on our promise and over deliver right. when possible. Right. And so, yeah, responsibility without a doubt, like it was just, it was such a thing. And, you know, I've had to come up in the beginning. I remember if, if I can just share this, I remember one of my friends sitting down and, and it was a learning process and, you know, we we're going through this and, and I thought I had things covered and I'd sat down with legal counsel and we had things drawn up. But my, my friend asked me, well, Billy, what happens if you pass away? Wow. And I thought, wow. And you just took it to another level. Right. And, and so when you're, when you've never done this before, these are things that I, that I had to think about. And it just took that whole responsibility to a completely another level. And I had to get an answer for that question, right? I want every single person to feel uh, comfortable that it's the right thing for them 
and that they feel that they have the maximum protection possible. So yeah, responsibility without a doubt, Justin was like the biggest, biggest thing for me and then being able to deliver on the, uh, on the promise. Yeah. Man, you said something, I mean, wow. You said something that um, I have to reiterate. Responsibility, what happens if you die? That's a big, bold statement. And I get it. We talked about it. But for our listeners out there, what are we talking about? Like, what, why would we go into the, like, being so morbid as to talk about death? No, the reality is a lot of what we do as syndicators, as entrepreneurs, as business owners, we have a mm-hmm. responsibility to our shareholders, to our stakeholders, to our customers, to our clients, to our relationships, to not put them in a bad position, all of the above, if we were to die. A lot of times the saying is we're our own bottleneck in our business. It's also the same. We're our, if you have a key person kind of business where you are the key person in that business, you need to have some kind of system in place just in case you as the key person are no longer able to operate and protect the investment of the shareholders, stakeholders, clients, uh, your family. And so you hit on something that is super powerful, something that I don't think that I thought about when I first got in business. And uh, I don't think a lot of people think about it. And it's something that is very much underserved, that key person kind of bottleneck, what happens if you die thought process. And uh, it's not morbid reality. I mean, um, this yep. is one of the reasons why our mutual mentor, Russell Gray, talks about taking a promote and doing a management fee in your syndications. Because to be honest, it's a business. And uh, a lot of people, when they first get started, they don't want to take a promote or take a, a management fee. And it's not about you. It's not about them. Mm-hmm. It's about making sure that the business operates even if you don't. So anyway, I'm sorry, man. You hit something that was like super powerful. Tell us three things that, you know, our audience can take action on right away. Some kind of value add, no fluff, just real. Well, number one, I think you need to get educated, right? Um, especially, right. you know, and if, you're, right. if, if you're, your listeners, uh, Justin Keisha, they're, they're here because they you're helping them um, to become more educated, right? On the different facets of what real estate uh, can can do and whether whatever path they decide to take, um, I think is, is really important because if you don't get educated and you can, it can be as simple as continuing to listen to your podcast. Right. Well, the, the thing is, but just they need to spend the time and get get educated, right? And, and do that whatever the way is, is the right way for them. But, but not just do it once, like do it consistently because with, through the repetitions, they will become better. I always like to link things back to languages, right? You, you don't learn a new language by just reading a book uh, one time. You actually have to right. read it and then try something, right? So that, so that uh, would be the first thing I would say is to, is to get educated. Um, the other thing I would say is, is to make sure that they are going out and building relationships, right? Because at the end of the day, yeah. and I guess one of the things that I've learned through um, having been really, really blessed in my life to, to meet so many different people from around the world is it's people that make the world go around, right? And, you know, we're talking today in different countries in the world and it's easier than ever to go out and be able to build relationships with people. That could mean meeting people in a new forum, in an online forum. That could be uh, going to an event. I mean, I, look, I, I live in Barcelona and it's so important to me to be able to build relationships. I've been to the U.S. three times this year. Uh, because wow. building relationships and investing not just uh, not just money but time, um, and this may actually be related to the other two. So if they are, forgive me. But I'm just a big believer in taking action. Like, 
just like take action. Like if you want to go out and you want to be a part of uh, real estate, uh, right? And, and it may be uh, assisted living or it could be single family houses. It could be multifamily. I know you all know about all those things. Just take action. Move towards the goals that you want to be able to, to do. So um, I would say those three things, really get educated, continue to build relationships and continue to take action. Wow. That's really good. Uh, education, relationship, and action, man. You can't get any more holistic than that. If you got those three, you can pretty much dominate anything. Tell us a little bit about Keep On Cash Flow brand. Tell us a little bit about that, what your goal is with that. Um, we're always about collaboration. You do some really great things. And we didn't even get a chance to hit on sales. I mean, like, We've been talking for now the last 25 to 30 minutes. You've given out so much information and uh, we haven't even touched on the thing that you do every single day. And maybe we'll have to have you on just sales. Would love to do that. Um, yeah, I mean, keep on cash flow. It came uh, really just out of, you know, meeting a number of different people and, and, and saying, hey, look, Billy, you, you have a story to tell. You're an American guy who's living in Europe and you're investing back in the United States. And, you know, sometimes people think you can't even invest outside of your own city. And so when people, I guess also too, I started having friends that were here in Spain that were asking me lots of questions. And I had friends that were in France and in Italy and in Latin America and back in the States. And it seemed like people were asking the same questions over and over. And I was really, really excited, right? Because I was growing in real estate and I had all this knowledge and I wanted to share with everybody. And I love being able to spend time with my kids and I love being able to overachieve in my job. And I just, they're only 24 hours in a day. So right, it actually right. came as a result of being able to be more efficient with my time and try to become much more effective as well in terms of answering questions um, that were coming up over and over. It became right. a platform just to be able to say, okay, this is a way for me to go out and talk to a number of different people, also get their questions, understand what's happening uh, and inform the marketplace. That was kind of where it came, uh, was, was the origin of, uh, of Keep On. And um, yeah, Keep On Cashflow, that's what we do. We like to go out and educate and, and really spend time, I like to say, is, is really helping multinational employees or so your corporate uh, employees or people like me during the day just really get educated on what are some of the other different alternatives that they can create for themselves, focusing on cash flowing assets um, and being able to do it in a way that makes sense for them. Right. So that's, right. that's really what the, what the platform is, uh, is all yeah. about. That's exactly what it's about. We're more effective when we can spread our message to larger groups of people. You're on a mission. How can people learn more about Keep On Cash Flow, more about Billy Kills? Tell us how they can reach out to you. Yeah, sure. I mean, um, the number one thing, I think there's a couple of different ways. That, because one of the things I love about being able to meet people from all over the world is there's sometimes, you know, people want to actually reach out and, and, and speak to you. So there's a kind of giving it three different flavors. There's one, uh, if anyone is interested in actually having a conversation, happy to, to speak to people. Um, they can reach me at bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash speak with Billy. and get on the call and have a, have a quick 30 minute call. Um, if you are interested in knowing a little bit more about long distance investing, which is what I, I like to say I, I do, um, you, can, you can go out and, um, and pick up my uh, ebook, which is at growyourmoneythesmartway.com. And Justin, you've already mentioned it before. If anybody just wants to take a peek and kind of find out more about what we do and you don't feel like reaching out right today, you can just go check us out on our, on our website at keeponcashflow.com. Sweet, man. Sweet. So uh, give us that bit.ly one more time, bit.ly, bit.ly 
forward slash forward slash speak with Billy. All right. If you're not a subscriber to our newsletter, uh, definitely go out, go to realliferalequity.com, put in your information, uh, get subscribed to our newsletter because we have guests like this who come on the podcast all the time giving out actionable, actionable, actionable items to use whenever you get educated. Uh, Russell Gray says education without effective action is, is nothing. So, you know, if you don't have education that you can take effective action with, you're not doing anything. Education is, is just another thing if you're not taking action. It's like learning a language in theory, but you don't know how to speak it, right? So, um, and I think he hit on that as well. Man, we appreciate you getting on the podcast with us. Justin, Keisha, I appreciate the, the opportunity to be here and share with you guys and, and your audience. And, and I think as a power couple, you guys are bringing lots of knowledge, actionable items to everybody. And it, it will help to make your listeners and their friends that will become your listeners better people, better investors. Yeah, we appreciate it. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for listening to Real Life Real Equity Podcast. If you would like to ask the hosts a question or be exposed to our podcast audience, visit our website at realliferealequity.com and submit a request. Again, that's realliferealequity.com or send us an email at info at realliferealequity.com. Again, that's info at realliferealequity.com. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week right here on Real Life Real Equity Podcast.